everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Today, I'm here with Sean Mira, the founder and chief operating officer at HealthTap. Sean, how are you? Doing great. Good to be with you, Jared. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Uh, we, we chatted a couple of weeks ago and we we're able to get you on the podcast. And I'm really excited to learn more about your background and, uh, and HealthTap. I've been doing a lot of research and First off, congrats on all your success with the company and the growth that you've experienced. Uh, it's it's really quite uh, quite amazing. Thank you, thank you. No, I'm excited to share our story. I think it's a a story that's not told enough and very important and timely right now. Absolutely. Well, let's let's get right into it then. If you could tell the audience a little bit about your background, and then we will uh, kind of segment from there into HealthTap. Sounds good. So I think you're already you know, gave my title. I, am one of the founders here at the company. I've been with the company for 10 years now, which kind of tells you how long we've been on this journey, uh, pioneering what virtual care means and how to get it to work for everyone at scale. And by background, I was one of those people that thought I was going to become a doctor when I was in college and I was pre-med, but very quickly found myself drawn to technology because there's just something about the scalability and speed of impact you can have versus seeing one patient at a time, if you can create systems that can help hundreds of patients per second, you're already doing something that is far more impactful, in my opinion. And so I was always drawn to technology, spent a bit of my career actually serendipitously in the online social gaming space when that was very early, a big deviation from the mission of helping people live happier, healthier, longer lives. But it was an incredible learning opportunity because effectively all that games are especially online social games is techniques to engage consumers through digital mediums and experiences. And that was an incredibly useful set of tools and lessons that I was able to then apply at the intersection of healthcare and technology when it became important to our mission to effectively engage both consumers and doctors on two sides of a marketplace to transact together more efficiently in a new way. So that's what led me to health tap and married all of my earlier experiences into one beautiful mission. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. I, first off, love the name. I love uh, how the platform looks. Um, I, we were talking about, we'll, we'll get to this later. I haven't personally had the experience because, um, you know, knock on wood, um, um, uh, we'll talk more about this, but I'm healthy, right? So um, I, I haven't had the opportunity to use the platform yet, but it is on my radar since you are in Florida, but uh yeah, it's uh, it's something we will get into. So that just so the audience knows uh, in the later part of this podcast, but a, a big focus is you kind of gave us why you decided to to help start the company, what your focus is. Uh, can you can you share with us uh, how how the platform works today? Definitely. So HealthTap is a virtual, urgent, and primary care clinic enabled by some really great apps, both for consumers and doctors on both sides that make it easy to do the full spectrum of what someone needs to do when they have a question or concern about their health. The first is get information because usually people don't rush to the doctor. They rush to get answers to questions that they're worried about to see if it's serious enough, serious enough to see a doctor. So how do we get people answers to their questions before they're ready to see a doctor? How do we connect them to a doctor as quickly and affordably as possible through a 24 seven nationwide urgent care clinic that puts you in front of a doctor within 30 seconds, no matter where you are, what time of day, or how do we connect you with your primary care doctor, someone that you've established a relationship with on the app for ongoing care, 
can be prevention, wellness, screening, or can chronic condition management. Then if you need care in person, how do you seamlessly refer people from a virtual modality to an in-person modality, either to a local walk-in clinic or a specialist that needs to see you um, or a local lab that needs to test you? And then finally, how do you create an app and experience that does all of the things that need to be done for you after the doctor visit and between doctor visits? Send you reminders for the medication you need to take, get you the prescription and the coupon for the prescription for the med you need to pick up at the local pharmacy, um, you know, get the test results back for the labs that you ran and discuss those results uh, and so on and so forth. So it's really an end-to-end -end experience. What HealthApp does is it makes virtual urgent and primary care very accessible, convenient and affordable in one app from information to virtual care to local care, to all the seamless fulfillment of meds, labs, and, uh, and actions that need to be consumed uh, after the visit. Thank you for sharing. That's, that's super helpful. It's great to kind of hear how things kind of flow together, how they work. I'm, I'm curious, because this is something I've asked a lot of the guests, right? I, I'm a big believer in that our, our digital, like our virtual like healthcare was gonna get to the point that it is today but maybe not as quickly as it, as it did, right? As a result of the pandemic. Can you talk us quickly through, this is something I've been asking a lot, how, how things have really changed since like the start of the pandemic to, to now as we're starting to get to a much better place? Oh man. Um, well, I think things have changed uh, slowly and meaningfully over the last decade. But if you want me to focus on what, ha what has happened in the last year, I would say that there was a huge, um, uh, there was a huge amount of catalysts put into just consumer awareness. You know, at, at some point out of necessity, you know, people had to figure out ways to connect with doctors when they were self-quarantined and couldn't leave their home. And so that led them to put in the extra time to research what are the tools and solutions that exist out there that will let me do that. So I think it created an awareness and acceptance of the fact that virtual care exists amongst many solution providers, but also the epiphany that the experience is way more convenient than the old way. You know, it is very akin to the first set of users who tried a ride sharing app like Uber or Lyft over hailing the yellow cab or calling the taxi cab number. After you did that experience the first time, it was unlikely consumers were going to go back to the old way. So that is one really big thing that's happened over the last year. And I think on the other side of the house, um, it's become inevitable uh, that even the critics of virtual care, the ones who used to say it has serious limitations, it's not going to really be end to end or high quality, have come to grips with the fact that is an inevitable way that consumers are going to seek care. So it's about meeting consumers where they want to be, not just sitting on your high horse and saying it's not the perfect solution, but rather figuring out how does it best integrate with the other parts of the healthcare value chain to really create end-to-end -end good quality healthcare? Because it's inarguable now, that's what consumers want, and it is the way to make healthcare more affordable and more convenient and accessible. So um, it's really just catalyzed that kind of adoption on both sides, supply and demand of the industry. Yeah, it's it's been, uh, I think it, it definitely moved us up maybe like, I, in my, my estimation, like maybe two to like three, maybe five years into the future, yeah. which uh, which is great though, because we needed to get here eventually. Just like uh, as a result, 
our, our whole workforce, right, has, has changed because of the pandemic. Uh, everyone who always said you can't work remote, now everyone's like remote first or like hybrid model focused, even moving towards the, uh, the future. So it's, it's really interesting. Well, you, you, you bring up an interesting point that I think is also not talked about enough, which is the labor market changes over the pandemic will have significant consequence on how virtual care will be sought. So what are some things that happened last year? A whole bunch of people moved out of big cities to go to more suburban and rural areas to be with their family, to be more isolated, to have bigger space. Whatever the reason was, you had a pretty big exodus out of dense metropolitan areas to less dense areas of the country with lower cost of living, but also less density of physicians. So all of a sudden you have people, more of the American population further away from a selection of physicians than before. Okay, so that already lends itself to increasing the demand for telemedicine. The second thing that's happened is the huge growth we've seen in the contract workforce of America. So the gig economy, the 1099 workers, the freelancers, the consultants, the people that you know deliver wonderful products to your home now, uh, that drive you around wherever you need to go. Uh, it's a significantly growing segment of America that doesn't get health benefits as a W-2 worker, a full-time employee from their employer, like others do. And that segment of America doesn't get the benefit of a wonderful health insurance plan that has some telemedicine solution bundled in on the backside of your insurance card. How are they going to get out of virtual care? So I think a key point of what we should talk about is um, who is making virtual care accessible to those people as well. And, and I know that is something that you wanted to dive a little bit more into when we were kind of going through what do we want to talk about on this on this podcast and that kind of ties into an article you wrote, I think last October uh, was it no August, which we've also talked about that we couldn't go through every part of that article because things have changed so much in that time yeah. that we need to adapt it right so yeah. I want to make sure we go into some of that and there were a couple points right and one of which. Um, let's let's get started it's people you were talking about people not talking enough about like the beginning stages of that that healthcare journey where you're searching so can we talk a little bit more about that and your thoughts on kind of uh, i guess either how that needs to improve or what what you're trying to do at health tap that that helps with that piece of the puzzle absolutely so everyone can anecdotally relate to this but if you were to close your eyes and imagine either a real instance in your past or a hypothetical instance where you or a family member is sick, you got a fever, they're worried about something. What is the first thing that people usually do, that you hear people usually doing? Um, it's not whipping out your insurance card and looking up the website or phone number on the back of it. It's not running into the local drugstore. Um, it's not calling up your doctor's office to schedule an appointment. Some people do all of those things for sure. But the vast majority of Americans, they turn to the internet. The first thing they do is usually type in their question to some search engine and start looking it up themselves, right? Um, in fact, um, uh, an executive at Google uh, in charge of healthcare earlier last year said that Google sees, Google alone sees 1 billion health queries per day, okay? Just to contrast that to how many doctor visits there are in this country, there are 1 billion doctor visits in this country over the whole year for the US population. So you have this thing people are doing, which is going online and asking health questions that happens hundreds of times more frequently than going to the doctor. So you have this huge existing consumer behavior we've all experienced and can relate to, 
And what happens when those people go online? Like if you had to ask one of those people that have tried it, how was your experience? Did you like it? And consistently you'll say, look, the information had no context about me. So my headache turned into a brain tumor in two clicks or less. You know, I was on one site and I followed some links and all of a sudden I'm thinking my headache is a brain cancer. And yeah, that's possible, but it's very unlikely. So you end up more anxious and confused than before. Or you have a very specific question and uh, all of the trustworthy websites and encyclopedia articles don't answer that specific question. They're generic encyclopedia articles about the medication or condition you're worried about. But they're not answering what you're concerned about with your conditions and your age and your circumstance. And then the final issue is you're talking to strangers and uncredible sources. So WhatsApp groups, Facebook groups, right? Uh, random patient forums. Someone's telling you what to feed your baby, whether or not you should get a vaccine. And you don't know the credentials of the people giving you that advice. So you're left unaware whether you can trust the information you're reading. So it's a, it's a whole series of trade-offs. But ultimately, what's common in all of them is people want fast and free information before they want care. And I think the point is that, you know, when people talk about telemedicine and that one of its weaknesses is low engagement and ways to get more people to engage, let's just admit to some facts that most people are very engaged around their health online. It's just that what they're looking for is not a product to push a button and talk to a doctor. What they're looking for is a product where they can type in their question and read some really trustworthy, personalized answers that are fast and free. And if we can catch people in that moment, then you're working at a part of the funnel that's much higher up than I want to talk to a doctor. And, and it becomes a wonderful funnel to capture people in and then guide them to the right level of care at the right time, which may be a virtual visit. It may be an in-person visit. May not be a visit at all. Yeah, interesting. That's that, uh, that Google stats, really interesting. Um, Crazy. It makes a lot of sense though. Like I'm not, I'm not surprised. I just didn't know that was the, you know, that was the number, but when you think about it and, and you know, how many people um, are, are just searching everything and it's cause it's not just one search, right? You're not just putting in one. Usually it's multiple searches if you have something and we, we will we'll tie this into the next piece. Cause I know this is something we also wanted to chat about, right? It's if someone's healthy, uh, what are, what are some of the things, like, why should they even, engage with one of these platforms, right? Like when they can do the search and although the search is sometimes wrong, um, let, let's talk a little bit more about that. What's, I guess, what is the benefit for a, a healthy person to engage in like with a platform like HealthTap or these platforms that exist out there? Um, and I guess, is that is that a, a piece of the puzzle that HealthTap is really trying to look at and how do we solve that to, to provide care to those healthy patients? I, I think so. I think to further accelerate the adoption of virtual care and make it a regular and ongoing part of the way people seek care is to really attack the issue of low engagement square on. And I think there's two points of utility that most current telehealth solutions are not providing that they really should be thinking about. The first is providing information. Okay. So some telemedicine companies have come onto this idea and started adding a symptom checker in their app. That's a really useful way. It's an informational tool. If you're actually worried about specific symptoms, you put in your symptoms, you come up with some probabilities of what conditions you may have, and it helps inform whether or not you wanna to talk to a doctor about those likely outcomes, right? So they've come onto the idea, but if you just extend that further, 
if you can somehow build a solution that lets you type in any health question and get a trustworthy response back to your specific question in light of who you are, well, that's incredible. And if you could do that for free and scalably, that's incredible. And that's what HealthTap has done. Instead of trying to just perfect some AI, which is inevitably going to be limited in the scope of what it can answer for you and will be limited in how much you can trust it and how accurate it is, we leveraged a, a, an age-old um, uh, mechanism on the internet, which is crowdsourcing from a group of experts answers to a crowd's questions. So rather than over that does it for developers or Quora, which does it for the general population on on top, all topics. HealthTap said, what if you could create an online forum where volunteer doctors across all sorts of specialties, thousands of them at a time, are volunteering their time to answer your questions for free. So you can come and type in your health question. You can instantly find answers that doctors have given to people like you who have asked that question in the past or submit your own question to get a free answer. And our doctors are motivated to do this because they feel good doing good. They get a lot of validation getting thanks from the people who read their answers. They get a lot of validation from their peers who upvote and agree with their answers and comment on them. Um, so it's a wonderful dynamic and utility to engage people. That's utility number one to make telehealth sticky. The second one, which you're alluding to is um, too much of telemedicine right now is transactional sick care, right? So that in traditional healthcare, it translates to urgent care. I'm worried about an acute issue. It's not emergent, but I still wanna to talk to a doctor fairly quickly about it. And so a lot of what telemedicine has come to mean is an on-call doctor, not your doctor, an on-call doctor that we can connect you with as soon as possible, not just fix the root cause always, but literally sometimes put a Band-Aid on the issue, right? Just to make it good enough for now as a bridge to when you can get more longitudinal care from your doctor. And I think if telemedicine solutions can repackage what they do to really being longitudinal care with your doctor, with whom you have a relationship through this app, then all of a sudden, it's not just about putting the Band-Aid on the issue during that acute moment you're sick. Because by the way, that happens to people maybe once or twice a year. Think about how often you get the flu or have some kind of issue that you're worried about if you're a generally healthy individual. But in between all those episodes are prevention and wellness. It's hot, okay, you just turned 45, you're a male, you should probably get a colon cancer screening, right? Or, um, hey, your, your goals are to be fit and be on a low carb diet and age gracefully, let's talk about what you're doing for your skin or you know, what your diet is in light of your diabetes. These are conversations that primary care providers have. And most people don't have those conversations because Primary care doctors cost money and it's a prevention wellness thing. So most people just avoid that care altogether. But if you can make talking to that doctor extremely affordable and convenient from a phone, a lot more people are going to engage around topics that are useful to them when they're not sick, which is all the time. So if you can establish a cadence of talking to your primary care doctor once or twice a month by text, a few times a year by video, you've really transformed not only the way healthcare is being administered in this country, but I'm pretty sure you'll see a change in outcomes amongst that group of people too. That's a, that's a super interesting take on it. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, obviously, how HealthTap continues to address the, you know, these, these puzzle pieces and how, how the space as a whole evolves to, because uh, that's, that's where I see a, also a very big opportunity is how do we get these healthy individuals, right, engaging with platforms. You, you want to get to the point where people are using HealthTap on a regular basis, right, whether they're healthy or sick, they have the opportunity to get the care that they need, right? 
Exactly, exactly. I think that's the key to building a consumer brand that people like talking about and have a relationship with. It's not going to be by bringing, creating an app that you install just when you need it. It ends up getting uninstalled because you don't touch it for months and that you have to re-remember what was that company or brand that I used six or nine months ago when I got sick last time. It was kind of a good experience. If you can instead build something that they find value in on a day-to-day basis, month-to-month basis, that's the big unlock, right? That's the big unlock. Well, Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. I hope we can have you or another member of your team on again uh, very soon. We can talk about some other uh, issues happening in the space. Uh, when we when we have our uh, live show, I'd love to have you on that as well too. have maybe a panel type structure, but it was a pleasure speaking with you and I wish uh, you and HealthTap uh, all the best of luck. This was a lot of fun. Everyone stay well, stay healthy. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, You can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.